0: Of you that see some people here that you've maybe haven't seen in a long time, they probably go to the other service. Okay, so it's, it's like, Oh, you go to church here? Yeah, for like six years, man. Oh, so uh, welcome, welcome, everyone. As you can tell, we like to have a good time, and we are in uh, we're like, we're like gonna have a real good time this morning. Uh, I have some more uh, family business. I want to thank all of you for your contributions to giving away the bicycles uh, for the budget suites uh, by the hundreds. Uh, I'm not sure that. I'm not sure the exact number, Miss Miss Melba. No doubt is like absolutely exhausted. And I I asked one of the tenants. I said, uh, uh, Miss Melba. Uh, no, I just looked at Miss Melba. Miss Aura, you're thinking she does that too? Man, she does everything. Okay, Miss Aura. Uh, and and so anyway, uh, I asked one of the tenants yesterday. and I was only there for a short period of time. What's up, brother? Uh, <clears throat> I asked a uh, uh, very informal here at Living Grace, if you didn't know, we just kind of you know give dabs and high fives and whatever. But uh, uh, I asked her, uh, one of the tenants, what was the best part of of what she saw uh, yesterday, and she said the smiling faces on the kids, that that their their joy. And I have to tell you, for for a period of time, living in in, in not at abject poverty, but living you know, Poe, uh, I, I, I put myself in that situation and I could not have imagined being 12 years old, 11, 10 years old, and someone saying, Hey, if you want a free bike, come to the old community center Saturday at 11 o'clock and get a free bike. I mean, I, I could not even have a ima- like, what? Are you serious? Like, who's doing this? And so, uh, you know, as we, the kids were just full of joy. So thank you for your contributions. Thank you for giving. And, uh, that's a, that's a, it's an awesome, awesome, awesome thing. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah, y'all, Jesse. Thank you. Where's Jesse? Thank you for that, uh, uh, back there in the back. Thank you, sir. We appreciate that. Uh, we sang happy birthday to him. I, I, I and it, and then, I'm like, why is he walking on stage, man? We just sang you a song, you know. Anyway, he's, you know, Elder Jesse gets the mic anytime he wants, pretty much. So, uh, thank you, brother. Uh, we love you. And pause. Where's pause at? Where's pause? Yeah. See, right. We love you too, pause. You're the best. We love you too. Amen. And uh, uh, I also want to acknowledge uh, my mother and father-in-law. Would you, Wayne and Shirley? Would you all stand up, please? want to acknowledge them this morning. And uh, last sat Friday or Saturday? Last week, Saturday, they celebrated 60 years of marriage. 6-0. <laughs> Amen. And so uh, I am a beneficiary of their marriage every day. Uh, and if you need marriage counseling, I'm offering them to counsel you. Okay, if you're single, get with them anyway. If you, if your marriage is having some, some struggles, get with them. Because 60 years of marriage, they could tell you a whole lot more than I can. So there you go, right there. Thank you guys for volunteering to counsel our... <laughs> All right. We didn't volunteer for anything. Yeah, I know. That's... Um... Uh, and uh, in, in keeping with the Christmas spirit, uh, I'd, like to, I'd like to thank those who, who wonderfully decorated the stage. Is this amazing? Miss um, Millie, where's Miss Millie? Is she here? Huh? She's at work. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, and, and then there's another uh, g- another gal who asked me not to mention her. Uh, so I won't, but you can, you can. Oh, oh, okay. So I, I, I told her I would not, I told her, I told her I would not acknowledge her and I didn't. So thank you for doing that. Um, she go, don't tell. Anyway. Uh, and, um, and actually this, this particular wise man here, this is, uh, uh, you know, he was back or this was the, uh, it's just the same power to the people. But anyway, that's another story. That's another story. <laughs> we had to back over the brother, but uh, they, they were power. Yeah, you remember. Yeah. Uh, we have a baby dedication. We're going we're gonna, we're gonna, to we're gonna give you a little bit of everything this morning. Is that okay? Uh, Jared and Amina, would you all come up with your tribe? They asked if they could dedicate baby faith today. And uh, pretty much whatever Jared asks, I say yes to. So I'm kind of like, hey, can we? Yeah, sure. Come on up. Bring every, everybody. Come on up. <laughs> Baby Faith. Bring up the whole tribe. Wow, Dawn, come on up, sweetheart. Beautiful. Wow. So here's what we do. Uh, there's nothing mystical or magical in what we're about to do. We believe that, that children are a blessing from the Lord. Uh, one of our models here at Living Grace is uh, building the kingdom of God one baby at a time. So all you single people get married and have babies, right? Uh, we want substantial growth in our children's ministry in the next year. We'd like to see a 5 to 7% increase in our, in our nursery. And so y'all need to get busy, okay? Get busy. Um, so let's see. Can I? Yeah, yeah. It's been a it's been a while. It's mm-hmm. been a while since we yeah, again. again. Papa. I'm just gonna give you that that just, in just in case. Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. Oh, I got you. I got you. So what we do is as a family, we celebrate children and we pray a prayer over them and over mom and dad as well, and ask God's blessing on faith, which is the substance of things hoped for and the assurance of things unseen. Faith is believing mentally, but it's also causing that belief to, to, dedic- to uh, cause you to live a certain way. And so uh, we dedicate baby faith to the Lord. And would you all stand with us, please? <clears throat> and Lord Jesus, we just thank you for, for faith. We thank you for the joy that she is. And we ask, oh God, that you would bless and watch over and strengthen and that she would truly be one who has faith. Uh, that her name would be lived out in her life. God, we ask a blessing on her. We ask a blessing on mom and dad because we know that it takes takes your intervention to raise children today. And so we dedicate her to you, God, as a family, and we ask you a blessings upon them. We are thankful for this opportunity to join together, and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Amen. Did you want to share anything, brother? You sure? Yeah? Nina, did you want to share anything? Okay. <laughs> Who are these fine people here? Could you introduce everyone, please? Sure. So this is my mother-in-law, Karina, one of my brother-in-laws, Chris, my sister, Jessica, her daughter, Katie, her son, Jaden, her oldest son, Michael, and her husband, Miguel. Miguel. Right on. Awesome. I didn't know there going to be a quiz. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Oh, let's see. Uh, I, uh, I think I've I list. I think, I'm, I think we're, we're good. So in uh, 2017, there was a very unusual song that had made it in the iTunes top 50. Um, and uh, uh, it was a song that you could buy for $1.99 that was a song of silence. Nothing, no, no words, no music, no, nothing. Because depending on the, your Bluetooth connection to your Bluetooth enabled device uh, of your phone, that a lot of cars, if you, uh, that were automatically set to autoplay, it would go through your iTunes music and it would start with the first one alphabetically. And so people were kind of getting tired of having like just that song play every time And so someone got the brilliant idea of charging people to create a song that was silent. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I thought. I go, no way. People actually bought that? Yeah. And the the, the song is called this, A-A-A-A-A, Very Good Song. That guy's living in Maui right now. It's like, you'll never believe it. I made like millions. It was crazy. Uh, Maybe not millions, but I just think... Uh, And and, and essentially, it was so that when someone gets in their car and their device is set to autoplay, it doesn't play a song, it just plays silence. And maybe there's more to it than just that. Maybe it's when we get in our cars and we take a deep breath and get ready to hit the roads. it's not a bad idea to have a little bit of silence before we get going. I don't know. Well, when you were growing up, did your parents ever play the silent game when you're driving? Yeah, some of you parents here, did you try that on your kids? That didn't work too well on my kids. They'd be like, Dad, we know what you're doing. It's not going to work. <laughs> Darn it. You know, the silent game is when, you know, uh, maybe siblings are arguing or someone so touched me or they're on my side of the car or something and, and are we there yet? And you're like, you know what? Let's play the silent game and let's see who can be the quietest, the longest, and then usually someone pokes someone, and someone laughs, and oh, you broke it. No, I didn't, but you touched it anyway. You know the sign. And actually, you know, I kind of like, I kind of miss the days of conversations and vehicles. If you're a parent, especially of teenagers, you know that that uh, now with uh, all these um, uh, iPhones and devices or whatever, that children are in the car with their headphones on. If they're not sleeping, they're listening to music, and sometimes there's not a lot of conversation that goes on. You know, you say something, and no one hears you, and it's like, oh, what? I'm like, "Um, someone says silence is golden. Is it? I don't know. all depends. Any parents here who are empty nesters? And you remember the time when there was the pitter-patter of little children running around in your house and how much you... You you th- maybe said, I can't wait until it's quiet in my house, and now that it's quiet in your house, you're like, oh, I miss my little guys running around, right? Oh, I know. Silence is golden. I don't know. I don't know if it is or isn't. You know, do you miss those days of telling your, your, your teenagers to turn that down? Yeah, maybe, maybe not. Um, maybe it's the family dynamics in your house that have changed where you didn't plan uh, to have... The silence that you have right now but you have that is silence golden i don't know maybe it is maybe it isn't this morning we're going to talk about this is uh i think it's the fourth in our series on christmas perspective and we're looking at christmas from different angles different perspective because there's so many ways to look at christmas and one of the ways we're going to look at it is through the through the perspective of silence through the perspective of silence and if you have your Bible or your, your, your uh, phone, by the way, if you have uh, version, the version Bible app, you can actually go to live events, and I have my notes in here for you. So uh, if you're not sure what that is, just uh, ask somebody young next to you, and they'll help you through that. You go to the, you know, put in version if you have that app, the Bible app, and then you go down to the bottom right where it says more, click on that, and then click on events and good old Living Grace Foursquare Church, and you can have my notes and all that stuff. Okay, don't have time to go over it again, so uh, get the YouTube video to explain it all. if you're. All right, <clears throat> so we're going to talk about silence and the perspective of silence. We're in Malachi chapter 4. An old pastor used to call Malachi Malachi, the Italian prophet. <laughs> he was Italian, yeah. Hey, Malachi! No, no, that's, that's not Italian. <clears throat> so it says in <clears throat> Malachi uh, chapter 4 verse 1, It says, the Lord of heaven's armies uh, says, the day of judgment is coming, burning like a furnace. On that day, the arrogant and the wicked will be burned up like straw. They will be consumed, roots, branches, and all. And so Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. And there's a 400-year gap between the last writing of the Old Testament in the book of Malachi and the Gospels, the book of Luke, or, or, or whatever, the, the the beginning of the New Testament, okay? And so, so we're going to focus in real briefly on the last the prophetic word that God spoke, talk about that time in between, and then talk about how everything just dramatically changed one day uh, in Israel. And so the end of the Old Testament is about judgment on the earth and it's like fire uh and the fire often in the in the old testament represents the wrath of god or the judgment of god and in verse two it says but for you who fear my name the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings and so often in the bible we'll talk about something that's catastrophic and hard and and fire and god's wrath and judgment and then there's a but and it 's like, but for you who fear my name, the Son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings, and the Son of righteousness, most theologians believe is a is a title for Jesus Christ uh, He is uh, what the sun is to our galaxy. the sun is the center and the source of life. without the sun, there would not be life and uh it's off, it's interesting oftentimes in god 's judgment he he the sun was was not shining, and it wasn't because it was cloudy, but the earth didn't receive a couple of times the, the light of, of God, uh, the light of the sun. So uh, he is, Jesus, the son of righteousness, is, is to, uh, uh, to, what the sun is to our galaxy, uh, Jesus is to us. That same sun that, that hardens clay also melts wax, Um, the son of righteousness brings burning to those that reject him and blessing to those who embrace him. Verse 4 through 6, he points them back to the law of Moses and uh, the importance of obeying it. And remember, this is the last communication before 400 years of silence. So we want to say, okay, what was God, what what was he saying to his people? And it says this, remember to obey the law of Moses, my servant, All the decrees and regulations that I gave him on Mount Sinai and all Israel. Then he sort of says, be prepared for what God's going to do next. And he talks about the ministry of Elijah. And he goes in verse 5, look, I'm sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. And so Elijah represents the first of the Old Testament prophets the office of prophet. Uh, he burst on the scene and brought the nation of Israel back to uh, following God. Um, and that prophecy of Elijah coming before the great dreadful day of the Lord was partially fulfilled in the coming of John the Baptist. And so it was spiritually fulfilled in that But there will also be a possible literal fulfillment in that. In the book of Revelation, it speaks about two witnesses who are going to come back and literally preach fire and preach the word of God in Jerusalem. And some theologians believe that one of them is Moses and one is Elijah. So we don't know that for sure, but that would fulfill that prophecy that that Elijah was going to come back. Verse 6, it says this, His preaching will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. And the Old Testament ends. Silence. It ends in reconciliation and it ends in a curse. And then there's silence. That's the last radio communication. That God gives to his people for 400 years. There's no writing, there's no prophetic word that we have written down. Silence. 400 years. I wrote this down don 't ever make don 't ever mistake god 's silence for his inactivity. Maybe you could attest to that. secondly, God is always at work always you might remember in your life how God supernaturally arranged things in your life before you ever became a follower, and maybe after you became a follower of Jesus you look back and you think okay so i'm kind of making sense to why this happened or why that happened or how this relationship came together or how that relationship broke apart right and, and i look back and i think you know that was god that god 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 you know god god protected me some of you would say you wouldn't even be alive if god hadn't intervened in your life And you look back now and you think it wasn't your cleverness. It was the Lord saying, not yet, not yet. Let him run in his foolishness, but not yet. It ain't time. Yes. So God might have been silent in your life, but God is at work. Maybe he had to put you in an emotional place where you would stop and listen. And so you went through something or you had some sense of loss. And for the first time in your life, you were listening And you look back and you're thankful for maybe that difficult time because it brought you to a place of of following Jesus. So Malachi ends by saying obey the law and then be prepared for what's next. Obey the law and be prepared for what's what's next. And I think that's a good word for you and me. I think that's a good word. Uh, Obey the law and be prepared for what's next. Uh, I've told this story multiple times that when I first became a Christian, uh, I went to a concert here in town, and it was Philip Bailey. And Philip Bailey, the lead singer for Earth, Wind, and Fire, and uh, it was a Christian concert. I could not believe it. I mean, because Earth, Wind, and Fire was like, I mean, easily one of the, the best bands ever. I mean, like, you can go see their shows now, and it's like I'm told it's amazing. and and I'm And I'm like, I didn't know that, like, Guys like that were Christian. Philip Bailey, are you serious? I went to this calm like that's. I, I I was incredulous. That's Philip Bailey. I'm like, yo, what's up, man? Give me a high five, man. I just high five. Okay, anyway, you get it, right? <coughs> Some of you young people, Google Earth. Everybody knows Earth One and Five. I don't care how old you are. Come on, do you remember 21st day of September? Come on, stop it. Don't let me go back. earth, wind, and fire. Come on. Anyway, uh, he said something I'll never forget. And it was a time in my life when I was stuck. I was a new Christian, and I was stuck. I was stuck. I, I, there was something that I knew that God was saying to me, but I just I just, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't get there. I, I, just, I needed some help. And, and, and he said this. He said this, and I can almost quote what he said. It, it, it's kind of like if you're struggling or if you don't know what's next or you're stuck, he said, go back to what you know, God said, "If you're in a fa- phase, a fog, and you're stuck, he goes, go back to what you know. God said, do that. Then be prepared for what's next." And I went, ah, "That's what I needed to hear." Are you thankful for a word that someone gives that is right for your situation? Be on the lookout for what God's up to. Yeah, and that was a that was a good word then. That was. A good word now, and it was a good word kind of to end the Old Testament with. So uh, uh, the, the prophetic word of God was silent, but God was still moving. It says, or the history tells us that in 331 B.C., Alexander defeats the Persians. In 260 B.C., the Septuagint was translated into Greek. That was the Old Testament scriptures translated into the Greek language. In 214 B.C., the Great Wall of China began. 169 B.C., Antiochus Epiphanes defiles the temple, something that Daniel spoke about that was like a partial fulfillment of that. We believe the Antichrist will do the same thing. That's for another time. Uh, In 630 B.C., Pompey conquers Jerusalem. 44 B.C., Julius Caesar is assassinated. 37 B.C., Herod is appointed to govern Jerusalem. And 20 BC, the rebuilding and enlarging of the temple begins. God's at work. He's preparing. It's been 400 years of silence. History tells us he's positioning things. He's getting things ready. He's about to do something, something new for those who would be open to it. Now, 400 years of silence, then we explode into Luke chapter 1. And we're going to look at uh, Zechariah, the father of, of John the Baptist, of whom Jesus said of men born of women, there's none greater than John the Baptist. So his father, it says in Luke chapter 1, verse 5 through 7, in the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zachariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron. Her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments, remember what Malachi said, and statutes of the Lord, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. So Elizabeth, unable to have children. Remember, there's been 400 years of silence, and God's about to show up. And this is where we start with this this descriptor of of Zechariah and Elizabeth. It, says it, it was the time of Herod, and Herod's reign was historically about to come to an end. He was not a descendant of Israel, but a descendant of Esau. Therefore, he was an Edomite and really an enemy of Israel. But now he is overseeing them. He's their dictator. Uh, he was known for his spectacular building programs, uh, also for his paranoia and his cruelty that sometimes he would murder those in his own household. So that's the backdrop. God's about to speak. It says in verse 8 and 9, speaking of Zechariah, the priest, it says, Now, um, w- uh, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. <clears throat> and the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. Okay, he's chosen by lot To burn incense. So only priests of a particular lineage could burn incense or serve in the temple. Over the years, the number of priests had multiplied. Some believe as many as 20,000 priests were in Israel during that time. And so they used the lot to determine who would serve. Don't know exactly the casting of lots, you read about it in the Old Testament. We don't know exactly what it was, but it, was, uh, uh, it wasn't like rolling the dice, but it was, it was something that was very supernatural in that the priest would do this and God would speak in the results. It's just how God chose to spoke. Again, that's Old Testament and we don't see it uh, after Acts chapter 2. Okay? And so the, the, the lot, and, and the, there's a Psalm, uh, there's a proverb that says that, that, that every lot is cast, but its decision is of the Lord. And so God chooses this man uh, by lot that he will serve on this particular day. And you have to understand, this is a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. (laughs) If you were so privileged to to be called to burn incense, it was an amazing thing. Uh, This is exciting. The event is filled with enormous anticipation According to the law of Moses, incense, which is symbolic of the prayers of the people, was always supposed to be rising up from the temple as a picture of prayer. Uh, Exodus chapter 30, verse 7 and 8. Every morning and every evening, incense had to be placed on that altar. Uh, There were several lots that were cast to determine who did what for the morning sacrifice. One to determine who would, who would uh, uh, cleanse the altar and prepare the fire. The second one determined who would kill the morning sacrifice and sprinkle the blood on the altar and the, the uh, candlestick and the, the altar of incense. And then the third lot determined who would offer incense. And so, so here's the scene. There's hundreds of worshipers there at the temple outside for the morning sacrifices when Zechariah walks to the outer courts and, and the and the priest who would light the incense would sort of hit this this gong and and then everybody knows okay okay we're about to we're about to enter this this worship service and the 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 levites got ready to lead people in the worship set and three priests entered the temple one of them set the coals on the golden altar the other arranged the incense and they left and the last one was there by himself to offer the, 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 the incense. <clears throat> In front of him was this golden altar of incense. It's 18 inches square, three feet high. Uh, there's burning coals on it that are beginning the process of rising that smoke up, ready for the incense. Behind them is the, the, the gold altar, a, a huge thick curtain and behind that was the Holy of Holies. This is a this is an incredibly holy moment. The, 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 the curtain on the other side of that was the Ark of the Covenant, which the high priest once a year could go in. That's it. So so this is this is this is big. This is big. This is an amazing, amazing scene. The people are praying outside uh, at the hour of incense, and when the people saw the two men leave, they knew that the priest is now going to offer the incense, and in a sense, he's he's praying, he's praying for the people, he's praying for the nation. He's this is this is their connection with it's 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 imperative that this happens. And, it's, and it's, an, it's an incredible, incredible things. The people outside would, would kneel down as the other two exited, um, and, and they, they'd kneel down, and, and they'd offer up prayers of worship to God, in, 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 outstretched hands, and and, and joining in agreement. Okay? Do you get it? Do you get the sense now? So when you read through that, it, it, this is a big deal. Now, it says... Verse 11, and we're just going to read it, then we'll break it apart, all right? It says, while Zachariah was in the sanctuary, he's, he's burning incense, offering the incense and praying. People outside praying, hands up, exalting. It, it's this amazing moment. It says, an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing to the right of the incense altar, Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son and you are to name him John. You will, you will have great joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the eyes of the Lord and then it talks about his consecration, that he must never touch wine or alcoholic drinks. That's called the Nazareth vow. He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth, and he'll turn many Israelites to their, to their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. Wait a minute, Elijah? We remember that in Malachi, that before the coming of the Lord, Elijah was going to come. This is the sus- the spiritual fulfillment it's been 400 years of silence and the angel meets him and says elijah your son is going to operate in the anointing or in the pattern of elijah and and he's going to be the forerunner for the great king 400 years of silence and he hears this word and he's got to be like no way i mean i knew this was a a great moment but this is Like, are you sure? Well, anyway, let me just read it because I, I don't know. Is it getting warm in here? I mean, I'm getting, I don't know. Lee, don't mind if I cool it down a bit, do you? All right. He'll turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. Verse 17. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. He will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Zachariah said to the angel, How can I be sure this will happen? For I'm an old man now. That is a, folks, it's a reasonable question. <laughs> and my wife is also well along in years. By the way, she's barren, which means she's unable to have children. I love how the angel responds. I mean, like, what? Really? I'm sorry. don't want to add to the text. Then the angel said, I love this. He says, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you'll be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. Who said silence is golden? for my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zachariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why he was taking so long. Like, is it just me, or has he been in there for a long time? I mean, they're praising, they're worshiping God. Hey, one more hallelujah chorus. Was this brother ever coming out? I mean, come on, you know. I I, I don't mean to, but he, he... Verse twenty-three, twenty-two says, "When he finally did come out, he couldn't speak to them. And then he realized from his gestures and his silence that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. When Zachariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. Soon afterward, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant, and went into seclusion for five months. Is that awesome? Is that awesome? So, honey, how was how was?" service in the temple and he's like (laughs) Mm. i'm not saying there was tension in that conversation but he can't speak men we get it we don't always speak and sometimes when we do we don't say the right thing it's like it's like why can't you just tell me you're like i don't know he couldn't tell her how'd that go What are you saying? I, 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 mean, I, I just. We get to heaven, Zechariah. I just want to know how the How did it go? What, what like, how? I don't know. I, I, don't. It won't matter. But, he couldn't. Soon afterward, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant, and he went, and she went to seclusion for five months. How about her? Oh, how kind the Lord is! She exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children because in those days you were considered cursed. It was wrong, but the society considers you that if you didn't have children, and, and here she is, and, and not just any child, okay? All right, so a few things to kind <clears> of <throat> bring it home. Um, his disappointment in not having a son didn't keep him from serving, His disappointment in not having a son didn't keep him from serving. I meet people who have gone through a disappointment or hardship or a time when God should have, in their minds, shown up and he didn't, and there's a letdown and a disappointment, and and they're not serving. They're not giving. He didn't do that. Now, the other thing is when the answer came, he didn't have the faith to believe it because the angel says your prayers have been heard. So maybe this was something in his heart he was praying for. And when it actually came, he was like, what? He didn't believe it. So I wrote this down. Looking at my limitation versus God's power will always lead to unbelief. Looking at my limitations rather than God's power, will always lead to unbelief. And unbelief produces silence. Unbelief produces silence. Faith opens my mouth to praise. How many of you would say in your heart, I need to break out in some praise because I've been silent too long. I need to speak I need to praise, I need to worship. Well, it says in chapter 1 verse 57, <clears throat> this is why I say that when when it was time for Elizabeth's baby to be born, she gave birth to a son. Imagine that. When her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had been very merciful to her, everyone rejoiced with her. When the baby was 8 days old, they all came for the s- circumcision ceremony. They wanted to name him Zachariah after his father, but Elizabeth said, no, his name is John. What? They exclaimed. No one in your family, there's no one in your family by that name. So they used gestures to ask the baby's father what he wanted to name him. They look at him, he's like, so... He motioned for a writing tablet. And to everyone's surprise, he wrote, his name is John. Instantly, Zachariah could speak again. And he began, what? Praising, Praising God. Faith opens my mouth. <clears throat> All fell upon the whole neighborhood and the news of what had happened spread throughout all the throughout the Judean hills everyone who heard about it reflected on these events and asked what is this child what will this child turn out to be for the hand of the Lord was surely upon him in a special way What a great story Malachi chapter 4 400 years of silence and God meets a man during a time of prayer during a time of great need for the nation, he meets a man serving God, just doing his priestly lot. Once in a lifetime opportunity. See, God meets us sometimes in service. God meets us sometimes and also times and seasons that are very ordinary. Don't believe that you have to be doing doing something extraordinary for God for him to speak to you because he can speak to you in the very ordinary and the very routine. He can speak to you in prayer. He can speak to you when you're offering incense in a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity he reserves the right to speak any way that he wants at any time that he wants it could be a dream it could be a 3 a.m wake up where you can't go back to sleep it could be a, a million different ways and there's really more than that because it's infinite <clears throat> so the perspective of silence don't mistake god's silence for his inactivity secondly god is always at work always Obey his law and anticipate what's next. Go back to what you know God said. Do that and keep serving. When the answer comes, believe it by faith. Looking at my limitations limitations versus God's power always leads to unbelief. And unbelief produces silence. Yet faith opens my mouth in praise. Um. Sherwood Worth captured the mood of that first Christmas on the on the back of a Christmas card that I think is pretty cool, and he says this: the people of that time were being heavily taxed and faced every prospect of a sharp increase to cover expanding military expenses. The threat of world domination by a cruel, ungodly power, intoxicated band of men was ever just below the thresholds of consciousness, moral deterioration had corrupted the upper levels of society and was moving rapidly into the broad base of the populace. Intense nationalistic feeling was clashing openly with new and sinister forms of imperialism. Conformity was the spirit of the age. Government handouts were being used with increasing lavishness to keep the population from rising up and throwing out the leaders. Interest rates were spiraling upward in the midst of an inflated economy. External religious observances were considered a political asset. An abnormal emphasis was being placed on sports and athletic competition. Racial tensions were at a breaking point. And yet, in such a time, and amid such a people, a child was born to a migrant couple who had just signed up for a fresh, round of taxation and who were soon to become political exiles and the child who was born was called among other things Emmanuel God with us. <clears throat> Two acts of worship before we conclude today. First, um, you know that we take a missions offering every every uh, month. So if our ushers could prepare to take that offering, we, we, uh, we support a number of different causes and everything that you give. Come on up, guys, and would you prepare to hand out the bags, please? Just go ahead and hand them out. Um, uh, we support an initiative in China. We support a, a initiative in, um, in, in Kenya, th- refugee camps in South Sudan, and um, uh, another couple uh, go ahead and pass them out, Joshua and Stacy, who are trying to train up thousands and thousands of missionaries to go and change the world. And everything that you give goes to that. So uh, thank you for your for your gift. We pray God would multiply it for the furtherance of His kingdom. And and with that, we have a uh, a special song to sort of conclude our time this morning. And then I will uh, close us out in in prayer.